Hello and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 124. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing Enterprise's second season episodes, Dead Stop, A Night in Sick Bay, and Marauders. Uh, I apologize up front for my uh, funny sound here. I do have a cold, but we are going to persevere and my my peers here are going to take up my slack. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Dead Stop, Season 2, Episode 4, Production Number 204. Original air date, October 9th, 2002. Directed by Roxanne Dawson. Written by Michael Sussman and Phyllis Strong. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Roxanne Dawson as Repair Station Voice. After the incident in the Romulan minefield, Enterprise is in need of repairs. Archer sends out a general distress call and receives a jumbled response from a Telluride freighter containing the coordinates of a repair station. When the crew arrives at the station, it appears to be abandoned until one of the docking ports lights up and reconfigures itself to fit Enterprise. Still, there don't seem to be any life forms aboard. I believe that someone or something has abducted Ensign Mayweather and left this facsimile uh, in his place. Apparently, bulkheads aren't the only thing this station can replicate. It's ironic, in a way. The station can duplicate a dead human body in all its exquisite detail, yet a living, simple, one-celled organism is beyond its capability. Dead stop. Here's another one of those things I wrote down in my notes and didn't realize anything about it when I <laughs> until after I wrote it. Trip Archer and T'Pol go to an Apple store. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I've ever written that before. Um, so, let's see. Adam, why don't you kick us off on Dead Stop? Dead Stop. Um, it kind of feels like a similar episode from other series, you know, when the, the ship needs to be repaired. But obviously they're out in the middle of space with no um, <clears throat> deep space station to go um, get repaired. So they kind of have to come up with this... Um, Different way of telling this episode that we've seen a few times before. Um, it's it's different. Um, I kind of like the the space station out in the middle of nowhere. It's kind of mysterious. It kind of has this weird, scary tone element to it. Um, I wouldn't say this is a great episode, but I I didn't find myself not liking it. I, I enjoyed myself for the hour. Well, one thing you just mentioned that it's a lot like some other episodes, I kind of did not feel that way. Um, partially, it's, it's, it is like a direct continuation of a, an episode, sort of. You know, normally we see the Enterprise get damaged and the next episode everything's back to normal. You know, so there is a little bit of a continuation, a thread here from the previous episode, which is a little bit unusual and cool. I like that. Um, and I think that's, one of the things that makes this episode feel a little different to me. So I'm not sure I agree with you on saying it feels like episode we've seen before. Well, what I was saying is, is like we've seen these episodes where the ship goes in for repair um, for one reason or another. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying that this episode is similar to those episodes where the ship gets damaged. It has to be repaired, be a computer, I don't know, war damage, what have you. I mean, we've seen it, We've seen these. We've seen these types of repair episodes in other series. That's mm. the point I was trying to make. I'm not saying it was exactly like that. I'm just saying that's yeah. they're in the every season, and this was a unique way of them to kind of find a way to do it 
because they don't have any other play, you know, it's, it's not not next gen. There's not a star base just around the corner where they can go get fixed up at. Yeah. See some of your first thoughts. Yeah, I, I liked it pretty well, and I think the primary reason is that it feels like a, um, a continuation of the last episode, and it, um, which is it's it, which was still rare back when this aired. That kind of continuity, and mm-hmm. so I like that. that. That's the primary strength, I think, of it. Um, I, um, I, I do think I, I don't know. There's it kind of kind of loses some steam for me a little bit yeah. by the end because. I get what they're going for. It's an interesting take that they that the this you know there, you know there has to be something going on untoward you know and so indeed it's uh, you know capturing people and integrating it into its yeah uh, but that kind of just I don't know I'm not gonna say that's convoluted but it's kind of like okay and then it's just yeah you know, that, he's there and let's go get him and here we go and it's all pretty predictable and whatever by the end I you know yeah that that resolution. Um, wasn't as satisfying as most of the, most of the mystery was. When I, I feel like we have said that before, but you know what? There was a there was a shot. Who directed this episode, Steve? It was Roxanne Dawson who did the voice. Oh right, yeah, yeah of course. Um, there was a shot where it's when he's when he's mad when when Archer's mad because he thinks that you know the stage station has inadvertently caused Mayweather's death, and and Archer goes into the Apple Store. And he's mm-hmm. like pounding on the screen or something like that, or yelling at it. I forget. But then there's, there's like a shot that's almost like the screen's point of view. Remember the shot? It's like yeah. the camera's mm-hmm. like behind the screen, you know. And there was something about that that made it seem like there really was something sinister going on. It made you feel like, oh my god, who's watching this? Who's who who's seeing this? What we're seeing now, we don't know who it is. You know, there was something a lot more ominous about it than what turned out to be the resolution. Um, it's not that the resolution we got was disappointing. It just I don't I'm not sure it was uh, as interesting as it it could have getting been. to that point, right? Yeah. Um, so that was a that was a little bit, you know. And then the only other minor negative comment I have would be it, it breaks up just. I mean, you know, it's always weird when you have a main character when you have a main character die, um, especially when you know they're. You're going to bring him back to life in just a few minutes or at least say, hey, this isn't actually Mayweather. But um, it doesn't feel like the reality of the way the people on the ship would have reacted. Not mm-hmm. even Hoshi coming in there and saying, I just wanted to say goodbye. You know, it didn't seem even remotely genuine to me, you know, and it t- took me out of the episode. So that was a little bit janky. Um, and then, like I said, that that Danamon was a bit unsatisfying. But for the most part, I like this episode. You know, I like the I like the mystery of this automated station that that sizes them up and then automatically, you know, um well it's an Apple store, right? So it's auto <laughs> automatically reconfigures itself so they can like park right in there and, and <laughs> it's cool. And then they go into there and um it's so What would you call that, Brian? Would you call that the I station or the I garage? Um, um, you know, it it also reminded me a little bit of um, like uh, some of the human stations on on two thousand in two thousand one, like that station that Floyd is at is on at the beginning. Um, 
it, it just reminded me a little bit of that, except I guess a little more crammed. But that's another thing too. When they're when when Trip and Reed are talking, and they're like, man, the computer is, is like half the size of this room, but it's doing all this stuff. You know, it's interest, It's interesting, and it, and it, it, it it's engaging. You know, it makes me want to keep watching the episode. It makes me want to figure out what's going on. Um, so I like it, and I actually, I I felt like it was kind of a kind of a unique episode. It didn't feel like an episode that I'd seen before, and more importantly, it didn't it didn't feel like an episode that it would have worked as well on a different Star Trek series. You know, and I think that's. If anything, that's what we've seen has been lacking or hurting Enterprise as a show in a lot of the episodes that we've watched, especially from that first season where you're like, well, they could have done this on any other Star Trek show, so why? You know, you're, not, you're not justifying the existence of the show. Um, uh, but this one, it felt, it felt unique to me. I mean, it, didn't, it, it feels like it wouldn't have... On, on Next Gen, for example, I think they would have sized up the station better you know, um, I think like something you said a minute ago, Adam, you wouldn't have had that no matter what. Even in the exact everything script exactly the same. Even if they'd said they were out in the middle of nowhere, you never feel quite like that on next gen because there's there's always so many ships and so many planets they've already been to and systems that have been mapped and you know. Um but Enterprise can do something like this and it really does feel like they're way out there in the middle of nowhere on the fringe all by themselves. You know, even just saying we need, um, you know, what are we going to do? Uh, we need these repairs. You know, we can't even give back to Jupiter Station or whatever. I don't know. So there's a sense of drama or jeopardy here that they're taking advantage of uh, in a way that wouldn't have been as um, effective on the other shows. You know, maybe maybe Voyager, I guess. That's a totally different animal too. From a technical standpoint, I enjoyed it. The, the you know the ship being repaired, automated. I thought those yeah. were it was cool to kind of see that. Yeah, the design was really cool. The effects work was solid. I wish it was in 1080. Uh, <laughs> it was really good. Yeah, I think it's interesting with this episode. I think it's a classic example of um, where where Enterprise lies in both the history of the Trek chronology and the history of television because I think in a way it's like what you mentioned it it's different from like next gen because of you know it being so new to go out to the frontier and you're not experienced and all this kind of thing but you also have this continuity element that's interesting from the element of we're on the cusp of Ser- you know, serialized television where one episode leads to another and Enterprise was kind of at the beginning of that time where you saw a lot of that kind of thing. And in a way, it, 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 it's kind of it's, – it's a, it's a problem that it falls right in the middle in this episode because I think that it's cool that we – oh, we're right from the last episode. You know, the ship's damaged. We see that, what they got to do about it. At the same time, the whole way they handled the Travis Mayweather death thing, on one hand, you know he's not going to die, but it's like they couldn't resist doing cheesy, everyone, let's say goodbye, and and, and that made, kind of made it worse. Like you mentioned earlier, the uh, Hoshi's little speech in Sick Bay and things like that that just didn't feel right. I mean, you know they're not going to kill him, but at the same time, it almost would have been better, like, let's keep everyone busy and off the, you know, like, we'll just keep the episode moving forward and we don't even touch on that until someone comes up, you know, in case, until, the, until Phlox actually realizes what's going on. But um, so in that sense, it's almost like it, you know, falls in the in between those that era of television in terms of uh, 
serialized, you know, episodes and so forth. Yeah, and so much of this show, it was the time for that, yeah. Um, I think people looking back, we, we, we're all saying here now in the year 2015, this is like the golden age of television. You keep hearing people say that, and I, and I think it's a fair thing to say. Um, you kind of look back, where did a lot of this start? And it really was, you know, the late 90s into the mid-2000s when you had shows like, I don't know, Sopranos trying it. But even there, it wasn't like episode to episode. It wasn't like Breaking Bad or something. Um, and that was around the time of of of, of this show, of course, um, 2001 to what, 2005. Um, and, you know, obviously when we get to the next season, season three, that's going to be their big effort. But if my memory serves, even then, it was still a lot more... Um, well, probably Sopranos maybe is a good comparison. A lot more where there was a very significant overarching storyline, uh, but you still had a lot of episode to episode. When do we get our first um, three-parter in this series? Uh, the series? Oh, the That's that's the that's Manny four? Cotto stuff from the fourth season. Yeah. So that's all in the fourth. Okay. I'm pretty sure there were ton, ton several of those in the fourth season. Yeah. So um, sounds like well. Sounds like Adam's saying. It sounds like Steve and I like this one a little bit more than Adam, but we, but even Steve and I were um, a little hesitant on it. Um, let me ask you one other thing before we ask for ask what it's about. I was trying to remember. I I had thought that, I, that there was something about some some fans or somebody talking about that rather ominous final shot where the station's like repairing itself comparing that in some way to the Borg or the beginning of the Borg or something about the Borg. Hmm. But I couldn't find any research. I, when I researched it, I couldn't find anything. So then I thought, well, maybe I'm totally remembering that wrong. Do you remember anything about this? Am I making this up or what? That sounds vaguely familiar, but it it did seem like it didn't like – it didn't wasn't talked about for very long or didn't go anywhere because I, I remember something about that. But but was it just from fans talking about it? Hmm. Maybe it's probably it's probably unclear. I don't know that any writers ever you know fessed up to it or whatever. So would that just be because of the kind of the collective mind they had going on in that station? Yeah, the combination of that and the the cyber, you know, the the Apple Store, the Apple Store, which isn't is not consistent with well some of its speculation. But if you recall back like in First Contact, Star Trek First Contact, the you know, they basically the notion was if the Borg would have got that uh, array put together, they would have. They were saying they would have contacted Borg in that time. Well, obviously that was before Enterprise, so I'm not sure. Yeah, that's true. Don't we get a? Isn't there a Borg episode in Enterprise? Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I guess if you were trying to make a <clears throat> fan made up uh, answer, maybe they they use stations like these to kind of seed themselves or something. Mm. I don't know. But apparently not, so this is not the board. Uh, <laughs> what's it about, guys? Kind of, um, you know, you get from Archer, you know, that he he's bothered by this the whole time that they're there, and everybody else seems to be enjoying themselves, um, but I guess trusting your intuition. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's, that seemed pretty in keeping with Archer. I think some of the time that either... Well, either narratively inside the world of Star Trek does him a disservice, or as a outside of that, as a fan watching the show, sometimes I, it maybe annoys me a little bit. But I think here it serves him well. His 
his kind of immediate suspicion uh, serves him well. He's got good instincts, yeah. whatever, just his intuition. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd have trouble kind of honing in on one major theme here or something like that. I mean, um, there's a little bit of uh, too good to be true something going on, you know, where if, if something seems a little too good, it probably is, that kind of notion, but I'm not sure if that's particularly solid. So not a lot for what it's about. Um, but that seems in keeping with, it sounds like, you know, I would I would rate this episode solid. We've had we've had great and good, and I'm gonna call this solid. <laughs> As a rock. Solid, which is below good, <laughs> but above average. Let's move on to six degrees for dead stop. Uh, who started the car? Adam, you started the so are you going first or second? Um, I'll go second. Wow, look at that. Steve, Mm. as you said, Roxanne Dawson voices the station's computer. In Voyager's second season, she provided the voice of the computer in the episode Dreadnought, a missile that Torres had reprogrammed. What alien species originally created the missile? Mm. Oh, yeah. Was it... uh... Right, because... Okay, let me make sure I get this right. The Bajorans? No, Adam. Mm. The Cardassians. You're correct. Mm. She was McKee, and it was a Cardassian missile that was supposed to hit the McKee, so she wrote, reprogrammed it to go back to the Cardassians. Ah. Uh, Adam, this episode is a direct continuation of the previous episode of Enterprise, picking up the threads of the ship's damage, as well as Reed's leg injury. Name that episode. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's going to mean, isn't it? <laughs> don't cheat. That's all I got rid of. Don't cheat now. I, I always delete my notes anyway. So. <laughs> Good. Um, let me think for a second. Um, <clears throat> See, uh, if this had been, you know, the second episode we talked about today, we would have just talked about this one and then it would have been easy. But... Um, I'm going to say Minefield. You're correct. It was Minefield. That's... Adam 2, Steve Nunn, moving on. <laughs> A Night in Sick Bay, Season 2, Episode 5, Production Number 205. Original air date, October 16th, 2002. Directed by David Strayton, written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga. Music composed by Paul Belergen. Guest cast include Vaughn Armstrong as Cretassin Captain. Having managed to offend the Cretassians yet again while negotiating for a much-needed plasma injector, Archer returns to Enterprise frustrated. Things get even worse when he learns that Porthos picked up some kind of pathogen on the Cartesian homeworld and must be confined to sickbay. Unfortunately, Porthos' condition only worsened, and Archer spends the night in sickbay to be with his pet. As I recall, you accused my entire species of being insensitive. Then I apologize to you and all your fellow Denobulans. Well, I can't speak for the others, but uh, on behalf of myself... I accept. And to think, DePaul told me you were incapable of apologizing. A night in sickbay. All right, I'm really interested to hear what you, you, you guys think of this one. This seems to be an episode that really divides a lot of Star Trek fans, which at the time that it came out, I remember, I remember really liking it. And 
and I know why I liked it, and I know why I still enjoy it a lot, despite the fact that I have some problems with it. Uh, longtime listeners of our show can probably guess why I like it, because I've said this many times. Um, I'm a trekker, and I like I love thinking of this universe as this real breathing thing, and to see stuff like, you know, a night where. Archer can't sleep, and he goes down to the rec room and gets on a treadmill, and of course, T'Pol is there at midnight, you know, um, and they have an argument while they're on the treadmill. I mean, these are such, like, sort of main mundane, but this is this is what life is, is like to live on this starship kind of things, and I love that stuff. I've talked many times. It's been a frequent refrain of mine uh, that I love that stuff. And I think that's probably the reason that I enjoy watching this episode so much. Even if I thought this was a bad episode, and I don't think that, I think it's good. But even if I thought it was a bad episode, I think I would enjoy watching it, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. It's the closest I'm going to get to living in that world, you know? Um, so so what are your guys' thoughts here on A Night in Sickbay? Um, you want to go first, Steve? Uh, it doesn't matter. I... I, I uh quite enjoy this episode too i mean i think right off the bat we have again we have continuity we've got the reference to a previous episode with this race that they offended and you know frankly it seems like the kind of thing would be a throwaway thing like why would we come back to this but here they are again you know and so that's a fun notion and it's it's lighthearted it's genuinely funny as you mentioned already we've you know we are uh, we're kind of living in the world and it's you know we're not it's not so plot based that we don't take time to exist in this world and and just kind of be there and and then we've got this this character thing and uh you know what's going on in the with the uh, Archer and T'Pol and the and the thoughts and you know going on the head and the dreams, it's funny stuff. And of course, Flocks, you know, uh, John Billingsley is always great, and it's 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 fun to see their interactions and stuff too. So it's 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 very entertaining, and uh, you got some character stuff too, and you got some continuity stuff too. So you know, good stuff. Um, I really liked this episode too. I thought it was a good episode. I think. Um... I think the first half of the episode, I was wondering where I remember this episode, but I was still wondering where I was wondering where they're going because, like you said, Brian, you know, I kind of enjoy the mundane stuff, and it's even though they kind of build up a lot of pressure and suspense in this episode, it's really about kind of like not mundane things. It's his pet who's sick, you know. It's not like they're being attacked or there's a virus on the ship. It's just kind of it's like secondary problems that are going on here, and I kind of like that too. But I think in the first half, I was like, where are they going with this? Because, they, you know, he's all over the ship. He's kind of pissed off and he's in a fight with DePaul. And then the second half for me just kind of all comes together. You get a lot of the character stuff with um, with Flocks. Like you said, it's just really great. Um, I don't know if I really liked the DePaul stuff in this episode. I think it this that would have fit better in the first season because I kind of think mm-hmm. after the last episode of the first season and into the second season that 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 was resolved for me so i think that little plot storyline that they did in this episode with him and DePaul would have worked much better in the first season it just kind of threw me off a bit um but other than the the episode for me though yeah that's 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 the problem that i think a lot of trek fans have with this episode i i've definitely heard more than one person over the years talk about that the way that um that i think 
I can I can see the argument that Archer is should be better than this anyway. You know, he's the captain of the starship and he shouldn't be Well, I don't see it that way. I don't like I don't I didn't have a problem with them doing it. I just had a problem with the timing of it. I think it would it would it would have been a much better thing to resolve in the first season. I I just kind of felt like their relationship had congealed by the end of the first season where you you kind of know what they who they are to each other, and it wasn't like yeah, oh, they're gonna exactly. hook up yeah. anymore. They yeah. there was there were times in the first season where you're like, what's going on here with these two? But they never went anywhere with it, and like I said, their relationship congealed into you know, friends, captain, first officer type of relationship. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what I was, you know, so they're they're they're, they're like questioning something that was already. Um, they're they're bringing something back up that we're like, we're so we feel ahead of them. Yeah. Like yeah, this was this was taken care of already. Like, yeah, I can see that. I think it's a good. I think that's a valid notion. And at the same time, I don't think it's that big of a deal because it's so light in this episode. It's not like they dwell on this episode after episode. Sure. It's kind of just. It's almost like. But you, know, you know what? What bugs me is the scene near the end with with T'Pol. If if the episode was exactly as it is, it, but. He he says just a tiny little bit, and then she immediately says, "Well, yeah, it's yeah. not a problem because we won't have sexual attractions or whatever." You know, it's so clear that she must have had some of these same thoughts and stuff. I mm-hmm. think I would have liked it better if she had just been more puzzled, right? You know, and yeah. and, yeah, and Archer had, I like he like because he talked to Flux, and Flux said, "You don't really have to talk to her about it. Just being right. aware of it is enough." You know, and if he had started to say something, and then she had just kind of stood there puzzled or whatever, and then he decided, you know what, everything's good. Mm-hmm. I would have been happier with that, but it's her sure. reaction to it, um, and p- putting a, you know, making it so on the nose. I think that they hurt it just a little. Yeah. But I mean, this is this is a minor minor thing because I I like this episode. Yeah, it didn't ruin the episode at all for me. It was. Yeah, I yeah. really like this episode. I really really enjoy it. Um, it's it's even just putting the little time you know stamps, which is an unusual thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like ten thirty, two thirty a.m. <laughs> you know, I like that stuff. Maybe it should have been twenty two thirty instead of ten thirty, but you know, <laughs> it is Enterprise. It's the it's the earlier show. Right? Um, uh, you know, an episode like this makes it hard to do six degrees questions. <laughs> you know, it really is a bottle kind of episode, but. Um, Yeah, I think my favorite scene was that that scene on on the treadmill. I'm not I don't I don't know how many other times we see something like that on this show, but you know, it's just such an ordinary thing. And then like you said, Steve, all the stuff cuz Billingsley is so good and he has an interesting character character uh very sick folks, sorry. Uh actually lightheaded. Um he has a very interesting chemistry um with his captain. Um with Bacula. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like those scenes. And I like that, you know, when we think about the captain's relationship to other people in his crew on the other Star Trek shows, you know, this one does seem different in the way that it should, that these are earlier, this is pre-Federation, um, you know, this is pre- that 
almost utopian society. Uh, this is the time whenever we will have tensions and drama in those relationships. And I like that, you know, I, so I like those scenes and I, and I bought them hook, line, and sinker, I guess. <laughs> Some cool effects when they're working on the dog, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, kind of sad, though. Now, uh, our listeners may not know this. Steve does not like pets so i'm guessing when watching it you were hoping the dog wasn't gonna make it no, the, the, no? That's, that's harsh and you know it. that's harsh okay. <laughs> you're going you after steve cut, there you want me to cut that out of the episode no i don't care but okay. but no it's not like that i just don't i just don't have pets i never had pets growing up so i don't have much exposure to it so it's more like uh i wish no ill will to animals i just don't have any relationship with them there you go all right uh, <laughs> Hey, we we heard the origin story of Porthos's name in this episode. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, for your for your Star Trek. Um, yeah, we got we got a lot of background from um, Flox and Archer really in this episode. I I enjoyed those scenes too, Brian. Um, especially when Flox was talking about his children. You know, he mm-hmm. got along with several of them, and two of them he didn't speak. You know, it's good moments, especially after Archer kind of yelled at him about wanting to kill his dog. So that kind of that coming back together. I enjoyed that scene. I like that line. He, Flux says, perhaps you're right, Captain. Perhaps I don't appreciate the bond between you and your subservient quadruped. <laughs> 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 but, it's, but it's funny because it's like, that's a really serious moment in the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost the most serious. It may be the most serious moment. It's the moment that, you know, from then on out, um, um, Archer... You know, has to rethink stuff, and mm-hmm. um, so it's it's funny that he has that line in such a serious moment. So you don't laugh at it, really. It's only when you quote it in your podcast later that. It... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I like his reaction to it's the only other thing I want to mention. I like his reaction when Flux first brings it up. Uh, I'm just sitting here thinking, man, people listen to our show. They're just like, oh my God, please stop talking, Brian. Your voice sounds so terrible. <laughs> I'm, I'm really sorry, guys. You know, I, I'm, I, eh, maybe we should, no, we couldn't delay because then we would have posted late. So I'm sorry, folks. I should, I'll, I'll talk, I'll try to talk less. Um, I like that moment whenever uh, Phlox mentions, you know, starts to first bring up the sexual tension that he sees between Archer and DePaul and says, and, um, Archer says, uh-uh, no way. Porthos is the only patient you're treating. You know, <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's just one of those lines, too, where I'm like, I, I, I have a hard time imagining captains on other shows saying that line, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. That line, like that. So so I like that. You know, I, I like that we're really... Put it, put it another way. In season one, you think about like the pilot. I know I've mentioned this several times, but it's taken a lot for me to keep from knocking you on your ass. You know, those kind of lines were what they were. They were they were so heavy, and so they were trying so hard to differentiate him from other captains in the show. And that maybe wasn't the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Stuff like this, I think, is the way to do it. Right. You know. Um, so. Here we are in the early in the second season, and and you know this is a very strong episode. And it, even if you hate this episode because you think what it does to the characters, especially Archer, is bad, 
you think it makes him look weak. You do have to admit that it does a lot for his character, you know, mm-hmm. um, which in a certain way can be construed as strong writing, even if you don't like yeah. it. I guess it humanizes him. Mm-hmm. This, this episode, really. Yeah. Yeah, you know, for better or worse, I don't think Gene Roddenberry was would have written this character ever. Yeah, how often would you see Picard go onto the treadmill and start yelling at Riker? You, you wouldn't have ever saw that. I don't know that we would have seen um, Picard's dream about his uh, pet cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to Six Degrees for a night. Oh, wait, no, no. Scratch that. What's this episode about? I thought we said we liked it and it was good. Um, the episode to me, it's it's about, um, in a lot of ways, about trusting your your crewmates. I mean, learning to get to know them, their differences. That's a lot about of it with with Flocks and Archer. They really got to know each other really well in this episode. And there was a lot here for Flocks, probably more the most he's had since um, you know Dear Doctor. Um, that we got to learn about him and um, see him in quite a bit in an episode. So you have that, the Doctor-Captain bond forming more here. Um, Archer learns, I mean, you know, it was like we said before, we learned a lot about Archer in this episode about, you know, it humanized him. It um, he, he had to go through humility in this episode too, but, you know, at the end having to do that weird strange dance that somehow he learned in like five minutes, but so that's what I kind of took from this episode. Yeah, I think I think it's... so. From this, I'm just want to be clear. So from this episode, you took that Archer is a good dancer. Yes. Okay, <laughs> Steve. Yeah, I think I think there's a fair amount of like uh, a sacrifice theme in this too, and like I mean, in kind of the sense that you you have to make sacrifices for important things. I mean, clearly Archer is not fond of this race of people. They just get on his nerves. He just as soon say the heck with them and not have to deal with that. But, and he, he, ha- he obviously goes through fairly humiliating circumstances to, uh, to appease them so he can get what they, he needs for the ship. And at the same time, there's also the element of sacrifice for, you know, obviously how, how much he cares for his pet and what he's going through and, and, and staying up and his, how much concern he has. And ultimately he, um, they kind of, they kind of uh, come together in the sense that he's really upset with these people because of their their you know he's having to go through even more for what they did to his dog and ultimately almost killed his dog and and he still has to just goes through it you know he just bucks up and does it because you know you you got to you got to do what you got to do you know for important things yeah, didn't the species get him tied up in a weird strange spider web of goo too well not directly. <laughs> no, I just had this image in this episode where, like, Porthos dies, and Archer is so mad, and he just starts drinking and drinking, and then he's just all drunk, and he then he like beams down and he pees on their tree. <laughs> you know, he's yelling at him. That'd be like the mirror universe version. <laughs> like he does that, and then he comes back up and bombs them or whatever, and that's it. Yeah, and he leaves. Yeah. Well, he takes the chainsaw and just cuts it. <laughs> yeah. The chainsaw he has for his dance. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that there was a callback to, you know, it sounded like a joke 
when Hoshi says it, do we have a chainsaw on board? And then, yeah. Sure enough. You see it at the end. Let's do six degrees for a night in sick bay. Um, uh, let's see. Adam got the last episode name question. So, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, Vaughn Armstrong reprises his role as the Cretacean captain, I think. Um, we last saw this character in the episode with the goo creature that gets Archer and Trip. Name this episode with the Latin title that means Lone Voice. Oh, Lone Voice. Uh, Voxola. You are correct, Voxola. Adam Armstrong has played many Trek characters over the years, but which one did he play the most? Which one did he play the most? By far. You know, I don't know. Sorry. Steve? Admiral Forrest? You're correct, Admiral Forrest. Uh, I think our wow, look at that. Adam got both Tied up. the previous one. Steve got both of mm. them this time. Has that ever happened? I don't know. It's rare. Yeah, it's rare. All right, let's move on. Marauders, season two, episode six, production number two oh six. Original air date October thirtieth, two thousand two. Directed by Mike Beecher. Story by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga. Teleplay by David Wilcox. Music composed by Velton Ray Bunch. Guest cast include Larry Cedar as Tessic, Stephen Flynn as Mackley, Barry Hotchwold as Ellis, Jesse James Rutherford as K. Ellie, Robert Sundin as Klingon Captain Korok, Wayne King Jr. as Klingon 1, Pee Wee Piemont as Klingon 2, and Vince Dedrick Jr. as Klingon 3. With Enterprise's deuterium reserves running low, Archer and the crew visit a small mining colony in hopes of replenishing their supply. The alien colonists, however, claim that they can't spare any duranium and ask Archer to return at the end of the season. Archer manages to negotiate and eventually reaches an agreement with the colony's leader, Tesca. The deuterium in exchange for medical supplies, power cells, and assistance in repairing the colony's extraction pumps. You think it's a mistake? I didn't say that. I've never liked bullies, Trent. Not on Earth, and not out here. Is this the only time we see T'Pol dress up like Rambo? <laughs> mm. I was—I thought when I was watching it, I was thinking there was one more time, but I couldn't place what it was, so I'm not sure. This might be the only Rambo T'Pol. <laughs> I like her though. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's good. Got a little bit of a "Who's that guy?" moment. Yeah, uh, a little bit. A little yeah. bit of a "Who's that guy?" I guess in this case, "Who's that girl?" Right. right. <laughs> Although if it had been the original series, it still would have been a who's that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's what I'll say about Marauders. Um, I remember really disliking, rephrase, I remember thinking this was a bad episode. I didn't quite think that so much this time. Uh, I think it kind of I think the first whatever act or so is is more interesting than the rest because after that it's 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 pretty predictable and the action isn't terribly exciting and I think it's fair to say that because I don't know why but I was when we, when I was watching like the last sequence whenever they're you know kind of picking them off one by one having little fights with the Klingons um, and I was thinking this isn't terribly exciting 
and then I caught myself because for just a moment I started thinking, well, it's the action, it's a TV series, whatever. And I said, no. What about like that episode when they were rescuing them from the prison when the Andorians were helping out the with the Vulcans and they were rescuing their prison? That was a really exciting action sequence mm-hmm. in just mm-hmm. another episode, you know. Um, so I shouldn't really give them a, a pass on that. Um, so I guess maybe so by the time you get like halfway into the episode, I, it starts to be a little less interesting and stuff. And and you know it's probably the weakest of the episodes that we're talking about today. But it's okay. This episode's okay. Uh, you know, my, you know, I've been saying for many years that Seven Samurai is my favorite movie of all time. But in the last year, I may, I may be changing that. That may now have moved into my second favorite movie of all time. Koyana Scotsy may be my favorite movie ever. That has nothing to do with our conversation. But what is relevant is that this episode is obviously a remake of Seven Samurai. So if it's not Seven Samurai isn't my favorite episode, favorite movie of all time, then it's certainly my second favorite movie of all time. Hmm. Uh, so I automatically give this episode some credit for that. Um, I think this is probably better than some of the other remakes of Seven Samurai I've seen. I never cared I, for that. I enjoy Bugs Life. Seven. Yeah, I, I like Bugs Life. I think is probably it, is is a good one, remake. Magnificent Seven, not so much. But um, so this is in between those two. Um, but you know, Klingons make good bandits. That all that all that all works fine. Um, they tried to do a montage without it really being a montage. So that that was funny and weird and sort of worked. You know, like moving the town. I kept waiting for them to play like some you know, Eye of the Tiger or something. And then, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. They didn't really do that. They they just showed them a little bit and then they went up and and we got some Tapao combat sequence and then back down and. Um, so, you know, this, to me, this, this episode is okay. It's, it's fine. Oh, also, I, I like Larry Cedar. Um, he plays Tessic. He's been in, in Star Trek before. I think I mentioned last time, because we, we talked about him on some other time. I think I mentioned I did a short film with him, and he was a really nice guy. Really, really nice guy. Who did it, was, he the, um, was he the guy in Next Gen who had the aliens coming out of his mouth? The little bug aliens? Or am I thinking of another actor? Mm. Anyway, top topic. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't think that's right, but okay. um, I mean, he's been in lots of lots of movies and TV shows over the years. Uh, all right, so uh, since I'm about to lose my voice, what do you guys think of uh, Marauders? Yeah, I like it. I like it pretty well. Um, I think uh, it's yeah. There, there's kind of some familiar. Uh, some familiar things about it that make it not like a, a unique episode, but um, I, I like it. Okay, I um, I don't. I the child actor thing and the whole relationship. Yeah, that didn't go so well. Yeah, it doesn't really work. I think. Do you think it's because of the child actor's acting, or do you think it just something else? I think it's a little of both. I think that the yeah, it's not so great, and then it's it's almost convoluted that they they fit that in there. It's almost like they they felt like they had to put something like that in there, and so that just throw that in, and there you go. Um, yeah. But overall, I like it. I like it well. I think I think in an interesting way, this group of three episodes. It's not like we have, these are the greatest. You know, it's not like this. Is the you know, if we look back on our podcast, I'm sure we could find a lot of occasions where it's oh wow, we reviewed these. 
uh, episodes in the same podcast, and they're just great. And these aren't all fabulous episodes, but it's it's they're relatively solid, and uh, it, and they are also um, very specific on the most part to Enterprise, you know. And and it and it kind of I, I found myself I watch these I think watch these pretty close together this time around. Not maybe not back to back to back, but pretty close to it. And uh, I enjoyed them all overall. And I do agree this is probably the weakest of the three, but overall I didn't think it was too bad. You know, I, I thought it was all right. To me, it kind of felt like the it, it, these three episodes actually kind of you know we were talking about the continuation episodes. Mm-hmm. These episodes, these three episodes, kind of feel like they all kind of just run right back to back to back because there's a common theme or a common plot driver in each of these episodes. It's about you know getting supplies and fixing the ship. Yeah, um, that's, that's what the you know if there were if there were three straight episodes like that in next gen, we'd be like, what are they doing? Here? <laughs> so, but it works in just this go show to the Seven Eleven over yeah. at the yeah. station. But it, but it could fix- work in the show because there are uh, they're out there by themselves. You know? Yeah, yeah. Which I think it also is why I think it it's it's nice. It's something different is because because they all kind of have that theme, you know, and it's and it is specific to Enterprise. No other Trek show is at anywhere near the the continuity as this one does, you know, because they were all much earlier. Um, and I think, I think that's kind of fun about it. You know, it's like, Oh, this harkens back to this one and this, Oh, they're still dealing with this problem. And, and there's also enough character stuff that, you know, you get, you get kind of your fix for that too. So yeah, I, I yeah, like it fine. I, yeah. I really feel like these episodes, like I said, um, enterprise, is, you, I feel like a lot of the times in enterprise, that when the the episodes are joined together, some like in Next Gen, I kind of felt like from each episode. I know like sometimes it would be like maybe there was no there wasn't that time continuity. It could have been like six months down the next day the episode took place, mm-hmm. but it feels like these episodes took place in all could have happened in the span of a week. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so um, mm-hmm. I feel feel that a lot more in the, in this series than I did in the others. So, this is good. This is good. Yeah, you know what I was thinking when I was watching this episode, kind of, kind of in conjunction. I mean, I was thinking the same things you guys were just talking about. And the next step that that took me to was, like this grouping. You know, this episode, Marauders, the third of the three, being the weakest of the three, but still fine. You know, I enjoyed watching it, and I just thought. And, and this is going to come as a surprise to you guys and to our listeners, no doubt. But I thought, I like Star Trek. Hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. That's what I found myself thinking when I was watching this episode. You know? So, like, like A Night in Sick Bay, I think they, they, there's some stuff in there they could probably enjoy, even if they didn't understand it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first. And then Marauders, I think, is something you probably need to be a fan of Star Trek to enjoy. But if you are, this is not bad. This is fine. And fine is fine. <laughs> you know? And uh, I don't know. It was just kind of nice. I, I like Star Trek. And I'm glad I'm glad we have this. You know, I remember, I remember when Enterprise went off the air. And I was one of the people that was that was complaining. Not in the fourth. By the fourth season, I, I was, there was some more stuff to like. But... You know, I was one of the complainers, but you know what? I tuned in every week. I bought the stuff. I bought the DVDs or whatever. You know, they got they got my time. They got my money. They got my me in the ratings. Uh, and I would have preferred they stayed on the air. 
not satisfying me, then, <laughs> then, <laughs> yeah. then go off the air, you know? Um, so I, Especially in the fourth season. That's a really good season. Yeah. Minus one. Yeah. Minus it, one yeah, yeah. It, it does make you long for, you know, what could they have done with a fifth? But anyway, we'll get to that later, I'm sure. So Marauders, it's fine. And it's got its moments. And uh, Rambo Tapao is one of them. <laughs> What's this episode about? Helping the weak overcome the strong and bullish. Yeah. I never like bullies, Trip. Yeah. <laughs> Bullying's bad. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, we talked about this earlier. It's a, there's a pretty common element in this episode that's we've seen in movies and television shows for decades now. And you go back to the original Seven Samurai. So yeah, well, Seven Samurai. It still works. 1953, 1954, something like that. So. It still works, and when does this episode come out? 2002? Mm-hmm. Three? Yeah. This is one of those ones where as soon the five minutes in, you're like, yeah, okay, I see how the pitch meeting went. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they said something about Seven Samurai. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They went, sold. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do it. Let's do six degrees for Marauders. Our score is two, two, two. That was T W O T O T W O for clarification. All right. So, Steve, mm-hmm. are you going first or second? I'll go first. Larry Cedar plays Tessic, the guy that protects his people by schmupping some Klingons. In DS9's second season, he played Nidrum in Armageddon Game. Which DS9 crew member gets infected with a biological weapon in Armageddon game? Hmm. Okay. I talked about this episode a lot because for whatever reason, it's one of the DS9 episodes that <laughs> probably is a more average episode, but just got its hooks in me, and I've watched it so many times over the years. Oh, gosh. I, I remember it, but... I'm trying to... Is it O'Brien? You're correct. It was O'Brien. Nice. O'Brien never drinks coffee in the afternoon. Mm, yes. Adam, let's see if you can tie it up for the day. Barry Hockwald plays Ellis, the woman that gets some fun supplies from Dr. Flux. In DS9's third season in the episode Explorers, she played Elizabeth Lenz. She graduated first in her class from Starfleet Medical Academy, who graduated second. Would that have been Julian Bashir? Yes, that's correct. Wow, three to three, but three to three, but you guys did not get each of your own questions. <laughs> well, yeah, we changed it up there. We got our own we changed questions. It up, yeah. All right, so yeah, I, yeah, nice, a nice day. You know, it's funny. I, I want to share one little side. Um, we're done with the show, folks. Uh, I'm just yapping now. Ironic, considering uh, I don't have much of a voice left. <laughs> I was, uh, I was working on this guy's. Um, you know, I, I, I work post-film and TV here in L.A. I do a lot of, like, Blu-ray and encoding and stuff like that. And I was working on this guy's Blu-ray. And um, it, it was funny because uh, we had that – you guys ever had this thing where, like, where you discover somebody else is, is a, as a Star Trek fanatic like you are? So there's, like – there's the first bit where it's like, oh, yeah, I like Star Trek. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like Star Trek. Right? <laughs> and then you got to go one deeper and, like – well, I mean, no, I mean, I actually, I really like Star Trek. Oh, yeah, you know what? I really like Star Trek, too. <laughs> <laughs> I run a Star Trek podcast. 
I made a Star Trek parody film. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, great. Okay, well, there we go. No. <laughs> that, was, that was fun. Um, I don't know why I was thinking about that. That just happened a couple days ago. <laughs> so this, I watched, when he brought that up, then I went and looked it up, and I, I watched this parody that, this, that he did. It was, it was pretty funny. Huh. Orion yes. Slave Girls Must Die. He wrote it a few years ago. I, I was something different, but it was a fun little fun little Star Trek parody. It's like two bucks on iTunes. If you like Star Trek hmm. parodies, it's, uh, it's, it's not like a parody of Star Trek, but it's a little romantic comedy sort of thing, kind of. But uh, anyway. Oh, uh, to, hey, real quick, I want to say to listen, I've been watching Blunt Talk. It's pretty amusing. Oh, yeah. I want to watch Stewart. that, but I, I guess oh, yeah. it's not. But stars. Stars, yeah. God dang it. Well, don't, doesn't your wife work for Disney? Come on. Well, they don't stars. Disney doesn't own stars. Do they not? I thought they did own stars because no. they always have the Disney movies I, on there. No, because I get we do. She does work for Disney, and because of that, we get free access to all the Disney Channel apps. Mm-hmm. So, like Disney XD, uh, the Disney Channel, um, Disney Junior. There's another one I forget what. Plus ESPN, we get that all the ESPN channel, and they're all like the apps in the Apple TV. Um, but no, there's no stars thing. So real yeah, quick, y'all, yeah. Rod Moore has a show on Stars that everyone said is so good, and I want to see it. Oh, that's Outland. the one about the woman who goes to time. Yeah, yeah, it looks really cool, but I, don't know, I can't see it. So, well, um, Brent is in the first episode of Blunt Talk. He's oh, a that's piano, cool. He's a piano player, and there's speculation if he'll be a returning, hmm. you know, like little cameo appearance because Patrick Stewart likes to drink quite a bit in the show. So hmm. it's quite the opposite of John Luke Picard or. Xavier, Professor X. Did, didn't what's his name uh, produce it or created or something? Um, Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, he's yeah. Just, as an executive producer. So mm. cool. So it's amusing. I don't know. I don't know how long it. You know, if it has legs or not. But I've been enjoying. i like three or four episodes in. It's been enjoyable. So it's enough that you want to keep watching it. Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely watch the whole season out. Have you tried it, Steve? You have cable, right? Yeah, I kind of forgot about it. I read about it, but I haven't stayed up with it. So really, oh, real quick, a, there. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're babbling on. There's a scene where he, um, I just couldn't stop laughing, where he's using the restroom and he doesn't, you know, he's trying to put toilet paper on the seat and it keeps going down the toilet and he's got the little seat cover thing that rips. I don't know why, I just, I couldn't stop laughing watching Patrick Stewart try, Sir Patrick Stewart trying mm-hmm. to cover a um, seat toilet so he could do his business. And <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. So, anyway, check it out if you can. I think it's amusing. <laughs> Did you guys uh, have any interest in the Force Friday stuff? Was that last week? Yeah, that was last weekend, mm. right? Did you did you, it, but... did you buy any Star Wars toys or pay attention at all? Any interest no. in that stuff? No. I, I didn't go on Friday. I went by a Target like on Sunday or something. Just and they out. didn't have anything left? Well, I mean... Yeah, was... I just wanted to see the toys. I wasn't going to really buy anything, but yeah, they didn't have any. The one thing I did I did actually buy, and this was an impulse buy and probably kind of stupid, but I bought that little Sphero BB-8 droid. Have you seen that? Hmm. The, the little robot that rolls around. and Yeah, yeah, my, uh, my niece and nephew got one of those, I think. Yeah, it, it's actually pretty cool, but I don't know how long it'll be pretty cool to justify That's the cost, but it, it's pretty neat, actually. Our, um, our guest, um, guest um, person, Trey... He had a little drone falcon I saw he had on Facebook. It looked pretty cool. Hmm. Cool. He was flying around. Yeah, it's hard to believe. We're only like three months out from Star Wars. <laughs> Crazy. Yep. All right. Um, 
Wow, we there's another episode. Boy, we are. It's hard to imagine that we got a whole year left of Enterprise, but we do. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Um, so thanks, folks, for spending an hour with us, as always. Sorry again about my voice. I promise to fix it by next time. Otherwise, I'll have a celebrity guest impersonate me during the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's see. You can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash companion. And Adam promises to start posting there more. Um, and Twitter, that's uh, Twitter. Our, we're, our Twitter handle is at Trek Companion. And we actually have been doing a little bit of stuff on Twitter. Um, if you leave us a review on, face, on Facebook, or leave us a review on iTunes, that's how people find us. And um, you can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. And we're going to run away before I can't speak anymore. Love you all. Until next time. Bye, guys. See you. I passed it.